For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then, would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, This is the command that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, Their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sins. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. May God add his blessing to the reading of the word. You may be seated. What's your part in being saved? You know, what do you have to do to be saved? That was a question that was asked of Jesus in our scriptures. How would you answer it? In other words, how do you get right with God? What acts of penance or remorse do you think you might show to signify true repentance and a change of your heart? And what would you do or what would you be willing to do to know that you have favor with God and are an adopted child of His? What kind of things would you be willing to do to know that? Or to get that? Or to earn that? You see, a lot of us have these voices, if you will, or thoughts in our head that tell us that although Jesus died on the cross, when I mess up, I'm still a bad person. Or I'm not good enough. Or I'm not worthy. Or, you know, he may have forgiven then, but if I sin again, am I still forgiven since I already once were forgiven by Jesus? And the next sin, am I bad again? All those voices and contradictions to Scripture and those doubts we have about belonging to him, wouldn't it be nice if they were quieted down? Wouldn't it be nice to know in your heart of hearts, in your very thoughts, that you don't have to worry about that anymore? That you don't have to think about it. What you think? Wouldn't that be nice? Do you have any of those things that come up in your head and go, well, does God really love me? Does He really? Did He mean everybody? But I was a kid, I used to think this way. God, I know you love everybody, but you probably don't love me. When I was a kid, I used to think that way. And you asked me, well, what would I have been willing to do to make myself better with God? Just about anything he would have asked, I would have done it. 
I was watching a live feed, it was in either late 2018 or early 2019, that talks about sacrifice and forgiveness. If you've read the scriptures that today's verses are around, in the Old Testament they had to sacrifice bulls, goats, several different kind of animals for forgiveness of sin, and they had to do it on a regular basis. And the reason why is because those sacrifices were for atonement. Now, atonement means that those sins were covered by that animal's blood because Old Testament says that shedding of blood is necessary for the forgiveness of sins. Something has to die. The wages of sin is death. So something has to die. So when a bull was sacrificed, it would make atonement for those sins that you had. However, here's the problem. It was for your sins up to that point. You go out the next minute or two, that bull doesn't cover it. Because now you've got to do another bull for those sacrifices. So it would only take care of the old stuff, but nothing that would come next. The only way you could ever find any true peace and freedom is if you died while the altar and the bull were being sacrificed and you don't have anything new on you. But again, that was an atonement for the sin. It was not a forgiveness. The atonement for sin was God winking at it, overlooking it, saying, I see the blood of the bull, therefore you're okay. For another year. Till the next time. <laughs> kind of thing. He would, it, the Bible says he'd wink at sin. In other words, he would say, okay, I see it, but I don't see it for real. I'm going to not hold that against you because there was a sacrifice made. In 70 AD, the temple was destroyed. That meant there was no more sacrifices made by the priests for those sins that they were supposed to cover. From that day to the current day, there are no animal sacrifices by the Jewish community for the forgiveness of sin or any other kind of sacrifices that the temple is required to do because there is no temple to do them at. So in their mind, since 70 AD to now, they have this idea that God has to do a overlooking because the temple's gone by the Passover meal. When the lamb is sacrificed and they eat that. In the Samaritan community, which if you remember the story of the woman at the well was in Samaria and Jesus and this woman are having a conversation about how they worship. And he says to her, salvation is of the Jews. And she says, well, we worship what we know and we, we worship God on this mountain. The Samaritan community honored Passover the way that it was established in Exodus. And they try to mimic that every year to copy the way they did it in Egypt. Although their numbers have dwindled to maybe a few dozen families, today's Samaritans still celebrate Passover outdoors under the light of a full moon. And they carry out the injunction of that first Passover faithfully as they can. 
But before they can carry out that Passover, the Passover lamb has to be slain. You got to kill it to eat it, right? At around sunset, the men who had their households bring their lambs to the area where is a common place in Samaria for them to sacrifice. I'm talking today, not back then. Today. Current day. Not today like this day, but during Passover. At a given signal, all of the lambs that have been brought together have their throats cut simultaneously. And the blood is drained from their carcass. Kind of looks a lot like what I have on the bulletin cover. Is what they've done. After that, they dress them. The lambs are skinned. Then they're roasted for the meal, which commences at midnight. There are only a few people who celebrate Passover in these current days that kill and dress their lamb. The Samaritans are one of them. But for that reason alone, the bloody procedure of the Samaritan Passover would be a sobering experience for us. Wouldn't you agree? But added to that is the even greater significance of the event itself. This sacrifice transports us back to a time when the slaughter of the lamb and its accompanying sights and smells would remind the worshiper of how costly sin actually is. Imagine a little lamb. Spread on a cross stick. Frightened. Bleating. And then his neck slid as it cries out one last time and then it bleeds out. That's the cost of sin is his blood. A perfect lamb. Every year they're reminded of what their sin costs. The blood of a life. The sound. For me, if I saw that happening, maybe you would too. Call the Humane Society. Think about it. In the temple, thousands upon thousands of animals give their life, excuse me, gave their life for sacrificial uses. And every single one of them was doing so under stress. Whether it was the bellowing of the bull, or the bleating of a sheep, or the neighing of a, of a goat, or what have you, all the different noises that they make because they're being restrained and they're terrified as they're getting ready to be sliced in the throat. How much more are you inspired to think of the sacrifice of Jesus, the Lamb of God, as she shed His precious blood for us in that imagery? I tried to put it nice and clear for you on the bulletin that the Lamb and the Lamb of God are the same thing, the Paschal Lamb. But let's take it back a little further to understand this in the context of what was going on with Jesus. At this point in Jesus' earthly life, he was under extreme duress. He was about to end the necessity for all these animal sacrifices. He would be the final sacrifice to start and complete 
the new covenant. But things had to happen in a timely fashion for this all to work out. The timing had to be perfect and the risks involved were many that could thwart the plans. Any mishap, anything that didn't happen in the right order could foil what was supposed to happen according to Scripture that night. God's plan and His history of salvation hung in the balance. Jesus knew this. He was short on time. It was the last night of His earthly life. When Judas was set to betray Him, it was so urgent Jesus gave Him the sob and said, Do it quickly. He didn't say, Do it whenever. Take your time. He said, Do it quickly. Time was short. It had to be done right away. He couldn't wait a day. It had to be done that night. Urgency was present. It had to unfold the way God said it would. And Jesus had to rely on a man who was betraying him and some other characters in the story to make this happen. Several things had to occur. First, the Passover meal had to be prepared before Jesus arrived where it would be served. He couldn't be a part of that preparation. A water pitcher had to be present in the room. You remember he washes their feet? There had to be a water pitcher there. One had to be obtained and placed. The disciples who were to prepare the meal had to know where to go. Jesus prearranged this, but he didn't tell them where to go. Because he had a, what do you call it? A betrayer in his midst that would have had him arrested. So he had to give a secret way to get those disciples to that place where Judas wouldn't know where they were going. Because he would have sent the Roman soldiers there to arrest Jesus. So it had to be done in secret. All this stuff going on. Jesus was a wanted man by the temple leaders. His closest disciples would have been watched carefully, not let alone by Judas. But where they are, Jesus usually was, so they would look for them too. Jesus had a plan set in motion, just as he did a few days earlier in procuring a donkey for his entrance into Jerusalem. Now all things were in order. The lambs were sacrificed and ready to be eaten. And Passover had commenced. And around midnight, Jesus eats the meal with his disciples. What was Jesus doing here? Why did all this stuff have to happen? The Bible teaches us that Jesus was preparing to be crucified. His face was set like flint on Jerusalem for this particular night. The night that would change history. He had some instructions that he had to give the disciples. He had to institute Holy Communion. And he had to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane where he would be arrested. But there was a bigger picture than this unfolding. Jesus was also preparing to be the permanent high priest that was foretold in Psalm 110. That says, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And Melchizedek was at the time of Abraham and had nobody follow him. Jesus would be the one to follow Melchizedek. 
He would be a permanent high priest. One, the high priest in the Jewish history and culture needed a temple to do all the work. Jesus, as the permanent high priest, did not need a man-made tabernacle. It was time for God not to dwell in buildings made with human hands, but to make his dwelling with us. It was time to usher that in. Yet in the temple, bulls and other animals were being sacrificed for sin. Each animal would cry as its neck was cut. It would have been a familiar sound to them, nothing unusual, as thousands were sacrificed on a regular basis. During Passover, at the sound of the shofar, all sacrificial lamb's throats were cut simultaneously. You know, the shofar, the, the, the ram's horn that they... And all the people in Jerusalem cut the throats at the same time. The bleedings could be heard throughout Jerusalem. This was not a tragedy. It was a celebration. Because God was going to overlook their sin that they had committed and be free. However, they knew it would have to be repeated in a year's time. The passing over of sin and redemption for another year from freedom from bondage would be secured during this festival. It was a joyous celebration when they slaughtered their lamb in their homes or, and, and then ate it at the night of the Passover meal. It was the beginning at sundown of the Passover. But in the temple, at the end of Passover, right around sunset, the shofar would blow again, signifying there was another lamb to be slain. The Paschal Lamb, the true Paschal Lamb, would be slain for the forgiveness and atonement of the nation's sins. Not the family, but the entire nation of God's people. It was to signify God's goodness and grace to the nation. We call that day Monday Thursday in our celebration of Holy Week when this day began. Jesus gave his life to complete the requirements for the new and permanent covenant of God's forgiveness. He shed his blood as a final act of sacrifice. It was intended to end all other sacrifices for sin. No more bulls. No more rams. No more goats. No more sheep. Or, or any other thing would have to be slaughtered to gain God's provisions. You won't have to bring an animal in and kill it just to show God you're appreciative of what he did for you. And besides... An animal couldn't save you. And in verse 4, as I read earlier, it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away your sin. God would just overlook it, not forgive it. Only Jesus could and did take away sin. Only Him. Jesus did not protest complain or resist this work being done through him. He spoke nothing in his defense on trial. 
His silence silenced the necessity for any more distressed animals to be slain. Although the temple continued this practice till 70 AD, it was no longer necessary to do so. In Isaiah 53, it says he's like a lamb led to slaughter, but like a sheep before his shears, he's silent. What do you think that means? Let me share with you what that means. A sheep, when he gets sheared, is thankful. He actually is tired of all that hot wool. And when, it, when it, the shear comes along, it doesn't hurt him. It makes him feel good. He knows it's going to happen because the previous year when it happened and they sheared the wool off of him, he felt better. So a sheep, when he goes to the shear, isn't distressed. He's joyful. But a lamb... A lamb, the first time it goes to the shear, does not know what's going on and it's bleeding and it's scared until it finally realizes this is a good thing. When it's done, the lamb runs in the following year. When it's sheared, it's quiet. But Jesus was a distressed lamb being led to slaughter. But he was mature in his suffering because he was silent as simple as an act of being shorn. And that is what that verse says. That he was a lamb led to slaughter, but he was mature as a sheep being sheared. Rather than in distress, he saw as a joyous occasion to suffer for the Father, for us to be redeemed by his blood. Do you trust the work of Jesus for your forgiveness and eternal redemption? That what he did is enough? When he gave his life on Calvary and said it is finished, that it truly was a finished work for redemption. Do you believe that? Are you still trying to make this your own responsibility that you have something in it? Those voices that I said inside of you that are talking and saying, you know, I know God forgave me, but I know he said I'm accepted in Jesus, but you know, I know what I've done. And I don't know if it's forgivable. Or I don't know how God could possibly forgive me. I had this overwhelming sense of justice when I was younger that said, you know, I don't think Jesus should die for mine. I did it. And I'm responsible for this. So why should I let him do that? I should pay for my own mistakes. But God said I don't have to if I let Christ cover the sin of it and let me be righteous in him. It took me a while to learn that, to understand that. That voice that kept telling me that for years was not silenced by the sacrifice of Jesus. Similar to the 30-some years, the animals weren't silenced in the temple before it was destroyed. I watched in late 2018-2019 as some high-minded Jewish community people wanted to do a special act of sacrifice. I said I watched this event on, on YouTube live. What they said is they believe the time is coming for them to rebuild the temple. So they needed to make an altar and they built 
an altar. And they said for us to use it, it has to be purified. And scripture says to purify it, we have to make a sacrifice on it. To purify, get it ready. So live on YouTube on, at the wall of Jerusalem, they took an animal and this beautiful altar and sacrificed this animal on the altar. To purify this altar that they would use when the temple was rebuilt. So after this altar was purified, they took this altar that was purified and is put it back in storage, waiting. It's ready. It's ready for the new sacrifice period to begin. Totally unnecessary, but ready. Because they don't believe Jesus did this once for all. Because they still think they got to do something for God to love them. They still think they got to think a certain way and act a certain way to gain God's favor. But in Jesus Christ, it says you are forgiven and all that is forgotten and you have his favor. And all the voices and all the actions that they're doing, the lamb has silenced the necessity of them. It's no longer necessary. All the voices in your mind that say, I don't know if it's enough for me can be silenced by the silence of the lamb. Who silenced all that on our behalf. But what do you got to do to be forgiven? The Bible says repent and believe in the gospel. Repent. Repent. Believe. Believe. Repent. Believe. Not half-heartedly, but with a broken and contrite heart at the devastation sin created in you in your life and knowing the full well consequences of somebody had to die for it. And Jesus said, let it be me. But the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. High priest forever after order of Melchizedek sacrifice no longer necessary because he's cleansed and purified everything in heaven for you and me. He wants to make you his throne room and tabernacle as well. Will you let him do that without you getting in the way of what you think or feel? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. May we find it resonate deep inside of us. For your name's sake and for your glory only. Amen.